You're listening to the Community Church in Orange podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. He said, I've given her a time to repent, and she did not, and so I'm going to cast her children on a sickbed. And so you see in the New Testament the way that Jesus views this. For some, their idea and view of Jesus is only just a God of love. I will tell you, he is a God of righteousness and truth and justice. And so I shared with the church over the last month, just a real, real quick, the things, the characteristics of this Jezebel spirit. It, first of all, it attaches to and attacks God-ordained authority. It attacks those that are anointed by God. In, in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, 4, the first thing after the establishment of the temple in Baal in Samaria, Jezebel began to kill the prophets of the Lord. And I brought up the reality that I believe that the reason she went after the prophets and not the priests is because there was a compromise in the priesthood. You cannot compromise a, priest, a prophet of God. They speak the living word of God. So this spirit is not only attacking those that are anointed by God, it's manipulative, it's controlling. She had uh, used, uh, falsely accused uh, an individual by Naboth and had, his, uh, had him killed and stoned to, so that she could get the vineyard for Ahab. Uh, this spirit works in lies. It tries to operate in illegal authority or illegitimate authority. In, in one in scenario, when she had sent a letter, Jezebel sent a letter to to the people over Naboth and used the, rig, the signet ring of the king and had him ultimately killed, falsely accused and killed. This spirit use is subtle. It uses, uh, operates in the, in the down low. It makes use of clever, indirect methods of achieving something. So it works in a subtle way. It compromises the truth. And finally, one of the main uh, characteristics you'll see through the spirit of Jezebel it works and operates through sexual immorality, which you see that controlling spirit operating in our society today. We now have, not only do we accept and, and deal with sexual immorality, you are seeing it uh, idolized and put upon the stage and propagated as the normal way of operation. I made this statement that there would never have been a Jezebel without an Ahab. And in dealing with the Jezebel, the first thing that you have to know is you have to come to a place of discernment. If you cannot discern the, this spiritual thing, this entity that is operating, then you cannot ever find freedom from it. One of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12.10 is the discerning of the spirits. So in order to deal with this spiritual entity, there must be discernment and understanding. Secondly, you must deal with inner compromises within yourself. Thirdly, you must take your authority that God has given you. Fourthly, as he told Jesus, told the church in Thyatira, there must be a place of repentance from the operation of the Spirit in our lives. And then I began this a couple of weeks ago, the second part of this message, that God, the way the Lord confronts Jezebel, first of all, he does it with mercy. Mercy was that God gave them opportunity. We are not told the time frame. From the moment that Ahab and Jezebel established the temple to Baal and Samaria, we are not given the time frame that uh, Elijah came to confront them. There was a space that God allowed them to do that and gave them opportunity to repent. How many of you know this, that God is merciful? 
He's merciful, and he gives us an allowance and a time. And there are times that people are living in sin and doing things in their life, and they think that it's okay because there has been no repercussions. Here is the truth. It takes time for seeds to germinate. The seeds that we are sowing today will be reaped tomorrow. And so God gave them an opportunity and a time to turn away, but they did not. So here is the truth. In his mercy, he allowed Ahab and Jezebel because there is no ordained authority or power unless God has allowed it. I believe that with everything in me. And the reason I believe that Ahab and Jezebel were allowed to operate in that scenario, in that situation, was to prove the compromise in the priesthood and the willingness of the people to go along, get along. You see, God really is looking at the hearts of people. And for some, they believe that because everything is going smooth, that everything is okay. Here is the truth. Smooth sailing does not mean there isn't a storm coming. Ultimately, God not only confronts by his mercy, but he confronts by pulling back his blessing. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah comes to Ahab and said, enough's enough. Drought is coming. And at three years, unless my word, Elijah said, there's going to be a drought. As a result of that, there was the drought that came, and ultimately that drought that came was really a judgment against the God of Baal because Baal was known as the Lord of the rain. He was the, known as the one that would really, the Lord of the dew is what it said. So when drought came, it was really a direct judgment by God in relation to Baal to prove who God really is. I believe with everything in me, God wants to bless his children. But when his children choose to reject him and to go their own way, as I believe America is doing, the righteous judgment of God will fall upon that nation. I think it was Billy Graham said this years ago, if God does not judge America, he must apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. So God, in, he, he allowed drought to prove his judgment, and ultimately the truth is the, that it rains on the just and the unjust. Drought is also experienced by those that were just in Israel. The reality is in this, we're really robbing ourselves of the blessing that Lord wants to give us. And finally, spiritual drought brings famine, and spiritual famine brings death. Amos 8, 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or thirst of water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. And they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. There is a time that Amos said there would be a time where people would be saying, God, I want to hear your word. I believe that we are in those days in America. If there was ever a time that the preaching is the greatest opportunity to hear the word of God through the Internet and through the digital media today, it's today. But is there a word that is going out that confronts and deals with the things that must be dealt with? I am first, I, I believe in the blessing and the overflow and the favor of God, but I also know that when there are places in the lives of God's people, those places must be dealt with. How many of you want the blessing of Jesus in your life? Stephen eloquently, I was thinking, how masterfully did he not eloquate about you standing upon the firm word, the rock of Jesus, about your giving. That was awesome, powerful word that he, that he said. Here is the truth. If we're not standing in the word and living by the word, we're going to find ourselves outside the realm of the word of God and the blessing and the favor of God. So ultimately, in this final part of this message, this is part two, uh, point three, really God confronts the high places. And in chapter 18, we are now given the account. After the drought has fallen, 
Elijah's been at the, 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 the brook Cherith. He's went to the house of the widow and he was made provision there. Finally, God speaks to, to uh, Elijah and he said, it's time for the drought to end and it's time to deal with this. You see, the progression of the mercy of God was, I give you space to do what's right. My blessing continues. My provision continues. But you don't do what's right. And so as a result of that, finally God says, I love you, so I'm going to pull back my hand of blessing. And a result of that, the drought comes and the blessing begins to dry up. And, and so you see that progression of the mercy and the love of God toward Israel to give them opportunity to turn away from idolatrous worship. Finally, after three years of drought, you know, you'd think for some people they would get the picture. Anybody hard-headed in this house? Leslie, raise your hand. <laughs> Terry, quit pointing at Sheila. We know who it is. I'm hard-headed. But I can tell you, sometimes when my wife's silent, I know there's something wrong. I've been with her 31 years, almost 31, 30, 31, 30, 31, geez. I ain't forgot. I didn't say that in a bad way. Y'all taking it wrong. But I know her well enough to know when she's not happy. You see, we as individuals, we in America, we are insulated to some degree because finances flow and this nation is prosperous. You know, it's amazing how people are will continue a behavior, continue a pattern, continue a a, 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 a road of travel that is in contradiction to the will of God and the blessing and the favor it seems like just keeps coming and, and maybe they've got money and they've got things and it seems like everything's okay but you find out many times that when the money dries up people start getting serious about praying to God. God loved Israel with everything in him. He had given a covenant to, the, covenant to that nation. He had called it out of its, uh, it, they, they, not of their own choosing. He had called them out of darkness. And here is the truth. He loves you with an everlasting love is what he tells us in Jeremiah 31. In his mercy. You didn't find him. He found you. You didn't go looking for him. He went looking for you because Jesus said no man comes to the Father unless he be drawn. So somewhere along the road the spirit of the living God began to whisper into your heart and saying I love you. Come out of the place that you are in. And in the mercy of God, he gave them opportunity to turn. Then finally he said, listen, I'm going to send drought. Maybe they'll listen to that. But sometimes we're hard-headed and we don't listen. And the difficulty gets difficult. And so we just continue in the, the things that we're doing in, in, in contradiction to God. And finally there comes a moment where God told Elijah, listen, I've had enough. I'm going to deal with this. I gave them opportunity to turn. I gave them opportunity through drought. I've done everything that I can, but they're not listening to me. So Elijah, I want you to go to Ahab. And Elijah goes to Ahab, and he says to him, listen, I want you to call all the, ba the prophets of Baal. I want you to call the, the prophets of Asherah, and I want you to meet me on Mount Carmel. I, I told Leslie, Carmel, why not Mount Nougat? I was starting to check myself. Is it caramel or caramel? I don't know. 
I can tell you this, it wasn't a sweet place for the prophets of Baal. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 19, it says, Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, and who eat at Je- Jezebel's table. So Abraham, Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Why Mount Carmel? Why didn't he do it just in Jerusalem? Why didn't he just, why didn't the pl- plains of Moab or wherever, or the down at the brook of Terror? Why on Mount Carmel? First of all, Mount Carmel was located in Samaria. And Samaria was, was where the prophet, where the temple to Baal had been erected. And as I told you several weeks ago, I believe that they didn't build the temple of Baal in Jerusalem because I think the priests were okay as long as you're not here messing up and infringing upon our church here. You can build whatever you want over there. No, let me tell you, we must as men of God and women of God stand upon the truth of the word of God. It doesn't matter all if it's going on in California or in New York City. Sin is sin. There cannot be any compromising place in that reality. And if I ever preached to you a false gospel, you have every right to stand up and rebuke me. I want to preach the truth of the living word of God. And so God told Elijah, listen, I want you to do it on Mount Carmel. You see what he did? God took the fight to the devil's front door. He took it right to the very place where they were worshiping that false worship. And I want you to notice this. Ahab said, Elijah told Ahab, I want you to bring those that eat at the table of Jezebel. Here is a good question that only you can discern by the spirit of the living God. Are you eating at the table of Jezebel? Are you eating at the things that are in contradiction to the word of God? You know where the table of Jezebel? The table of Jezebel is out there in the world outside the bounds and the will of God today. There's a world that tells you the fruit of that world is okay and there's nothing wrong with it. Satanism, modern Satanism, one of their tenets, key tenets of faith that Aleister Crowley set up is, do what you will, that is the whole of the law. And that is the American way. I can live as I please and there is no repercussion. Let me tell you, the wages of sin is death. And when you eat at the table of Jezebel, you are eating death unto yourself. Say, Pastor Thurman, I'm trying just to live my life. Well, let me tell you, today, the Lord wants to confront the high places in your life. You see, high places were places of worship of the divine. If you remember, if maybe you're not familiar with in the Bible, we're told of the story of the Tower of of Babel. They built this tower up into the heavens so that they could reach God. And the result of that is God's judgment fell upon that place. Even the early people recognized that there was something to going to these high places. And as we read along in this story, you're going to find out, on top of Mount Carmel, there was an altar that was dedicated to God. Let me tell you today, the Lord Jesus has brought you here. If there are places in your life that are high places that you have yet unsurrendered to God, he wants to confront them. You say, Pastor Thurman, I'm not out there worship Satan. There, there's a big deal going on right now. Today, I was just reading about it, about Satan's shoes. Anybody hear about this? The shoes supposedly that have Nike's name on it by little Nas. Lil, I can't say, Lil Nas X. Take me down to that old time road. And some other guy, mischief or something, these rappers have developed a shoe with a, a satanic symbol on the front, supposedly a drop of human blood 
There's some saying, well, it's fake, it's not really happened. Then there's some saying it. Nike said they didn't make them, but supposedly they approved them being made, and they've got the Nike name on them. I don't, I don't know if it's probably just maybe a publicity stunt, but I'm going to tell you this, that there is a reality today that people are living their lives to please themselves. Yeah, I'm not a Satan worshiper, Pastor Thurman. I don't go home and sacrifice and do those things. You know what the greatest idol in America is today? Is self. Self and self-fulfillment. As I've said over and over again, it's get all you can, can all you get, and set on the can. If you don't think you're blessed, open up your garage. Come on. Open up your storage building in the back. If you don't think you're blessed, go move your house. How many of you have ever bought all this stuff and you turn around and sell it for nothing at a garage sale? Hey, I'm good at losing money. So here is the truth. The Lord wants to confront the high places that are in our lives. And the greatest idol in America is not some statue or some tree or some... uh, thing in in nature, but the truth is I believe the idol that is setting on the hearts and the thrones of people in America today is who I want to be, is what I want, what I want to do, so what I do is really is I just worship who I am. I think it's in Ezekiel that the Lord speaking through Ezekiel, he said, listen, he showed him a vision and took him into the temple. There were all these idols that were sitting upon in the temple, and he's talking about the secret worship of people. Although they would go into the house of God and worship God, they had secret idols that were at their home. And the Lord said, listen, I'm going to answer them according to the idols of their heart. I've had people say, you know, I prayed about this, and this was God's will because that's what I felt like it was. And then you find out they step off into scenarios and situations, and it falls apart. Because it wasn't necessarily the will of God. Because their own lust were the answers that they were being spoken back. Y'all getting that? Y'all understand that? What their desires were, it's kind of like a kid. Daddy, is it your will for me to have this snicker bar? Well, it must be because you just told me yes and I want it, so it's got to be God. You see, there is a danger that when we place in the high place where he belongs, that we place ourselves, and the result of that is that when we're praying and asking God for direction and trying to get discernment and to have our lives clean and pure, then the, what the, the answer we get back is, is, listen, everything is okay. I, I just want you to find a place where you can find freedom and and really the truth is God's calling every one of us has a Mount Carmel moment in our life where the spirit of the living God brings you to a place where he can really bring freedom and deliverance in your heart I don't know about you anybody want freedom do you really want freedom in your life then what we have to say is Holy Spirit begin to speak to me in this freedom weekend that's one thing that I was I was hearing the Holy Spirit speaking to me he spoke these two words expand your capacity That simply means make more room. That's the East Texas vernacular. Build a bigger barn. Expand your capacity. I was like, all right, Lord, I'm listening to that. I'm I'm hearing. What he was speaking to me was, listen, Lloyd, you need to open yourself up for more of my presence. You need to open yourself up for more of who I am. Because here is the truth. Jesus wants to move in community church in power, in freedom. 
in deliverance. He wants his glory to fall in this house. And I'll tell you, it starts with Pastor Thurman. If I am not seeking the face of God and listening to the Holy Spirit and being consecrated to Jesus, I can't speak to you what he wants to say. And when it moves from that pulpit into the altar, into the pew, it moves into your life. And the Holy Spirit's saying to you, expand your capacity. But for that happen to happen, he has to confront high places that are in your life. There are secret sins in your life that only you know about. There are things that you have compromised and you've said okay with it. I don't do it on Sunday. I still go to church. Not a lot of amens here. Come on. I'm okay with this because I'm enjoying this and nobody else knows about this. Men, some of you are trapped in pornography. Today is the day to come out of that. Ladies, some of you are trapped in pornography. You know that the... the, the, the statistic today is it's, it's about equal between boys and girls in pornography. I told Leslie, I, I was looking for the art of the marriage teacher's guide. Because I didn't have the teacher's guide. And I was just typed in art of the marriage teacher's guide. And it said art of the marriage teacher guide. I clicked on it. I'm looking at it. And I flipped down. And it was a big picture of Playboy magazine. Unedited. <laughs> That's not good for your marriage. You see, I believe with everything in me, the Holy Spirit is saying to me that in the hour that we are living in, there must be a deeper consecration to the presence of God. The things that you have compromised with and been okay with because it only happens in Samaria. Let me tell you, what happens in Samaria doesn't stay in Samaria. It affects your Jerusalem. Hear the Holy Spirit today. The things that you do in secret will impact your children. Dads, listen to me. The pornography you're in impacts your children. What one generation tolerates, another embraces. If you drink a little bit of alcohol today, tomorrow your child could be an alcoholic. You smoke a little weed today, tomorrow your child could be a meth head. What I'm telling you is, there are gateways of devils and and spirits that you open the door to by the disobedience in your life. God's merciful. He sends drought. He gives you opportunity to turn, turn, but then he brings you to a place of confrontation. You have to deal with it. Hear the Holy Spirit today. He is calling you out of false worship. I believe with everything in me. That as the hour approaches near to the return of Jesus, this society, this world is going to get more difficult and difficult. Are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for a scenario of a bankrupt America? Think about that. Well, we don't have any unemployment checks. We don't have any stimulus checks coming down. We're bankrupting our nation right now. You have to say, Holy Spirit, here I am. The truth is, if you will humble yourself and make yourself vulnerable before God and say, God, I need you. I need you. The Holy Spirit will come and change you. So Ahab gathers up these prophets. They go to the mountaintop. And while they're there, Elijah confronts double-mindedness in verse 8, 20 of, of chapter 18, or 21. 
And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Sounds really familiar of the society that we're living in today. Double-mindedness. James said it this way. For let not a man suppose he will receive anything for the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Notice this. Unstable in all his ways. So God in his mercy brings them to that point and Elijah says, listen, I can bring you up to a mountain. The fire of God's about to fall, an incredible move of the Holy Spirit. God's revival's about to happen. But the truth is, it's wasted time if you don't have a heart that's after God. The problem is the nation that we live in, we live in a nation where it has become normal to live a life of compromise and go to church. You can fool me all day long, but you listen to this, the Holy Spirit knows every life in this room. He knows every person in this room. He knows every situation in this room. This is not a message to berate you or to beat you, but it is a message, the beginning is to say, listen, if I can't be open and honest and say, I need him, then this message is pointless in your life. And so Elijah says, listen, I'm going to bring them up to this mountain. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to, God's going to bring revival. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a place where you stop being double-minded. You see, what had happened is, the truth is, the people could have at any, any point rose up and, 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 and crushed that, that uh, false worship. But because of the scenario of their fear and, and things like this, they, they allowed it to continue to go. But there has to be a place where we say, Lord... Let me have a heart that's a heart after you. So God deals with this double-mindedness that's in us. Verse 30, part A says this, And Elijah said to all the people, Come near. So all the people came near. Do you see the progression of the way that God is doing this? So he brings them up to the mountain. He says, listen, you can't live a a double-minded life. I'll tell you, I I believe this with everything in me. There's no more terrible place to be in than being hypocritical. That in one sense, I put on a face of religious piety when I come to church on Sunday morning. But during the week, I live like the devil. That is a terrible place to live in. You know, the truth is, it's a place of slavery to the enemy. It's a lie that only you really believe because the truth is, most of the time, people see through that. So he calls them to that place of dealing with the double-mindedness. He said, listen, you're going to have to come near. If you're going to draw near to God, he'll draw near to you is what the Bible tells us. So here's the truth today. The beginnings of finding freedom from those things really is just going after Jesus. Isaiah 29 says, therefore the Lord said, inasmuch as the people draw near to me with their mouths and honor with me with their lips, but have removed their hearts from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Has it been a while since you've been near to God, to known His presence, to known His touch? I can tell you there have been moments in my life where I literally have felt the physical presence, the physical touch of Jesus on my body. I've literally had moments where I felt He wrapped His arms physically around me. It scared me. But then it just overwhelmed me. You see, He wants you to be near to Him. And being near to Him means that you are open up 
to whatever he wants to do in you. Can the Holy Spirit speak into your life today? Verse 30, part B, he says, And he repaired the altar and the Lord that, that was broken down, and Elijah took the twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. I want you to notice this. He repaired the altar. That tells me that Carmel at some point was a place that was dedicated to the worship of the one true God. And in order for me to find a place of real freedom, first of all, there has to be a place in my life that is absolutely dedicated and sold out to Him. Now, I'm not up here preaching to you about this just getting a little bit zealous and, you know, and getting energetic. And, and I'm talking about where you run around always speaking in tongues or, you know, slaying people in the Spirit. I'm not talking about that. I, I, I thank God for the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Some people do those things, maybe get really energetic and zealous. But you know what's important is that your life that you dedicated to God does not fall into disrepair. Somebody did not tend the stones of the altar on Carmel. Somebody did not take care of keeping the altar of the Lord in the place. And it's a perfect picture of what happens in our life. You see, there is an altar of dedication when you come into a relationship with Jesus. Anybody ever walked out of a revival saying, come on devil, I'm ready to go. Only to find a week later you're like, yeah, I got to get back to church. Y'all know what I'm talking about? What it is, is it tells me that, that that altar, that place that was dedicated to God had not been cared for. And that's the perfect picture of what happens in our life. That the altar of Jesus, the, the place that we meet God, y'all know what that's what an altar is. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of surrender. It's a place where we meet with the living God. Hallelujah. There was a moment and a time in our life where we come into a relationship with God, but there must be an altar of prayer and place of surrender and sacrifice daily in your life. If we neglect the altar, if we neglect, neglect the place that God has called us to, that place of surrender, what we're going to find is that little by little we will compromise and allow other things into our life. When Leslie and I were pastoring in Robert Lee, our first church that we pastored, we didn't have Facebook. Of course, Facebook wasn't going in, back in the, in the 1800s. And uh, I'm not that old, Richard. I don't know. I remember we had internet. You wait 30 minutes to download one thing, you know. We were cut off from the world in Robert Lee, Texas. There, there are two towns in the entire county. Total of maybe 3,000 people or something in the entire county. We were 45 miles to San Angelo to go, to go grocery shopping and stuff. And so Leslie and I, the kids were little. We didn't have anything. We didn't know anybody. But we had each other and we had Jesus. And it was a place where God put us that we learned to pray. The result of us praying hours and hours, I mean, we just, we didn't know how to do a church, Stephen. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't have no, I had no leadership training. Matter of fact, my degree was in missions. And God said, I got a mission for you. I said, Lord, 
It's supposed to be in the deepest jungles of South America or some exotic location. It's dry Robert Lee, you know. There was a moment that I was literally attacked physically by somebody, an elderly person. It was a Jezebel spirit that was operating in this person. But God placed me there specifically for that moment to learn to deal with things. And as a result of that, being cut off from the world, the result of that was that we began to connect closer to Jesus. You know, we have so much in our lives today that really tries to rob us of this relationship with God. Finally, Elijah calls him to this place at the sacrifice. It says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of, of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known to you this day that you, God, are Israel and I'm your servant. I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are Lord God and you have turned their hearts back to you. So God, Elijah calls them to a place of prayer. He said, listen, come near. It's time to pray. You see the progression of God's plan in dealing with this. You know, he could have just sent an army. Elijah could have just gathered up an army of people. We're going to go and we're going to kill Jezebel. But no, Lord, the Lord said, listen, the first thing that I want done is I want my people to be near me. 2 Chronicles 7.13. You know 7.14? If my people are called by my name. 2 Chronicles 17, 7 verse 13 says, But when I shut up the heaven and there's no rain or command the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among my people... If our people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their good ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, God's word is sure. He said, listen, when there is a place of drought or locusts or pestilence, if you will pray and seek my face, I will heal that. So Elijah understood that when he gathered together and he put that altar back and he said, come on, you guys, it's time to get near God and it's time to pray. This is what Pastor Sturman's telling you. It's time for community church to become a place where people begin to pray again. We have spent the last year rebuilding the altar. We meet every Tuesday morning. We pray. There are people that are interceding. There are people interceding on Tuesday mornings. There are people interceding on Thursday nights. There are people interceding on Sunday mornings. The praying elders are back there praying. And I'm going to tell you this. The Holy Spirit talked to me. The praying elders are going to start coming back up and praying and laying hands on people again. So there's a progression of dealing with this. I, I, I was given a vision of this reality that there was a principality and a power that had been operating here. And I believe with everything in me, it's gone. And we are on the road to doing the will and the purpose and the plan of God. And the will and the purpose and the plan of God really is to bring back a true worship of the only God. The only one that is worthy. There is no name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. The only name is Jesus. And the Bible tells me every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So he rebuilds the altar, calls them near, calls them to the place of prayer. Verse 38, and then the fire fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, licked it up, and the water was in the trench. There's an incredible story here. I don't have time to go through it all. I encourage you to go back and to read how that these prophets, they had spent all day cutting themselves and doing all this, and Baal would not answer them. And, and Elijah begins to mock them and mock their God. And when Elijah calls for prayer, he begins to pray, and fire falls and consumes it. Now, there were 
I think it was uh, four buckets of water three times. It's so much it just saturated the wood, the altar, filled a trench, and a fire fell down and consumed everything. Let me tell you, that must have been a, a fire. That must have been a blaze. Have you ever been near a big fire? Like, can you imagine the radiant heat that was probably coming off of that? It was the fire of God that descended, and it took up everything. I've, I want more than anything is the fire of God to fall at Community Church. I'm going to invite the worship team. I've run out of time. I recognize and realize that unless the fire of God falls in this house, I am so inadequate to do this task. I want to say this. Community Church, God has given us an incredible team of people. He has. I told Stephen... He said, if you leave, I leave. And I said, if I leave, you, you know, we, we stuck here together. We're like Paul and Silas. <laughs> Except he takes all the licks. He doesn't let him take the scourgings yet. But if you want to stone somebody, stone Stephen, you know. <laughs> if you're mad at me, talk to him. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> he is the resident martyr. <laughs> fire of God falls, it consumes everything. You say, Pastor Sermon, I have a past that only God could do something with it. Well, let me tell you, he can do something with it this morning. Finally, the Bible says that the people declared, the Lord uses us. They decided it's time to quit faltering between opinions. You know, when a big fire like that falls, it kind of has a tendency to change your opinion, doesn't it? I want the fire of God to fall at Community Church. If the fire falls, it'll cleanse, it will sanctify, it will deliver, it'll drive out de demons, it'll push back the principalities. That's what we need. The Bible is very explicit that the fire of God is always representative of the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says it was like a tongues of fire began to set upon them. That's what we need. I am convinced that community not only lost her way in her purpose of redeeming people, she lost her way in allowing the Holy Spirit to operate in this place because here's the truth. He's speaking right now. Speaking in the balcony, you listen. He said, You've been carrying this long enough, it's time for you to let it go. He's speaking right now. His spirit is in operation in this room right now. The fire of God's about to fall in this house. The question is, is there enough liberty in this place that you'll allow it to fall on you? I don't know all the motions to Jesus. You're my superhero. <laughs> but I'll tell you, the fire of God, when he falls, people will get on their face. If you read on after that scenario, Elijah calls up and he says, kill all the prophets of Asherah, all the prophets of Baal. Let me tell you, it was not only a day that the fire fell. It was a bloody day. 850 people lost their lives that day. 
they were worshiping that which was not in the will of God. You go on in, Elijah begins to pray against the drought because he said, except at my word, that drought won't end. He prays, and if you know the story, keeps praying, and he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. Finally, he goes and he says, listen, and this is incredible. I just noticed it this morning. I was reading on. If you want to just read on to the rest of this first scene, it's powerful. Elijah later on runs from Jezebel under threat. <clears throat> but he says this to Ahab. Now, the king was there. The man with a lot of power, he was there. He goes on and he says these words to Ahab. Get up. I think something happened there that moment. Even wicked Ahab had to bow at the presence of God that fell at that moment. I don't know how to give an altar call in this scenario. Just listen. If you want the Spirit of God to touch you, if you've got, if you've got high places that you have yet unto surrender to God, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about secret things in your life, today is the day to repent. It's not, there's not judgment here because there's every one of us in this room have failed God in our lives. But today is the day that you listen to the Holy Spirit that's called you to this Mount Carmel moment. And he says, it's time for you to lay down that that you've been walking in. It's time for you to consecrate yourself. You listen, that prophetic word that came through Pastor Ken this morning, that God wants to use you. He doesn't use a dirty vessel. He cleanses the vessel, and then he uses it. It's a vessel that's been set apart and sanctified for God. You know what makes gold precious? Is its rarity. In heaven, they paid the street with gold. Doesn't mean a lot in heaven. It means a lot to us because of its rarity. So what really makes it valuable is its preciousness and its rarity. And the Bible talks about being tried in the fire so that the pureness of your faith is much more precious than gold. The Holy Spirit wants to work something out in you. Listen to the voice of this preacher this morning. This time last year, we were experiencing COVID. I didn't know it was coming. I'd seen the reports in, in China, what they were experiencing on TV, but I didn't know it was coming. And then it hit here. And I thought, I told Terry, oh, this probably just lasts a couple weeks. He's like, no, nah, I think it's going to be a little bit longer. And look, what we've went through for the last year. I'm telling you, you listen to Pastor Thurman. The days that are in front of you are going to be difficult. But God is going to be faithful in the midst of the difficulty. But you must consecrate yourself to Him. You can't live the line. You can't walk in the gray. It's either hot or cold. Somewhere in this, you have to make a decision. I'm done living for the world and living for myself. I'm going to surrender myself to you, Jesus, wholeheartedly. If you can make that your prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you as your pastor. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Community Church, you can visit our website at ccorange.org or come follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash community orange. 
Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time.